Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. And our thrilling moment segment from this week comes from the Red River shutout. Texas beating Oklahoma 49 to 0. I have to be honest, the thrilling moment was the whole game. They won 49 to 0. The most thrilling moment for me was seeing that half empty stadium where all the people in Crimson decided to leave early and seeing Brent Venables and that Oklahoma team walking off the field after getting dog walked by Texas. So that was my thrilling moment of the weekend, the entire game. I'd be hard pressed to pick one moment from a 49 to zero beatdown of the Oklahoma Sooners. But this segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all new frontier Armada or Pathfinder today available now at NissanUSA.com. Locked on Longhorns, the show, Jonathan Davis, your host today. We are going to be talking about a question that was posed on Twitter. The question was, Quinn Ewers is a top blank quarterback in college football. Once again, the question was, Quinn Ewers is a top blank quarterback in college football. And then Josh Neighbors, our Locked On Big 12 host, my favorite Locked On host, joins the show at the end to do our weekly Big 12 roundup, a lot of great matchups in college football this season in the Big 12. You had Kansas and TCU who were undefeated, uh, both undefeated going into that game. You had Farmageddon uh, between Kansas State and Iowa State. You had Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, which was a really good game. And then, of course, uh, Josh talks about Texas and OU and what he saw from Texas and lack thereof uh, from the Oklahoma Sooners. Quinn Ewers is a top blank quarterback in college football. We don't like suspense here on Locked on Longhorns, so... My answer is Quinn Ewers is a top five quarterback in college football. And actually, I have him slotted at number four. Right now, if you ask me my top five, I would say Bryce Young, number one, at Alabama. C.J. Stroud, number two, at Ohio State. Caleb Williams, number three, at USC by way of Oklahoma. Quinn Ewers, your favorite quarterback, number four. And then number five, you could put a lot of different quarterbacks here, but I got Hendon Hooker the quarterback at Tennessee by way of Virginia Tech, leading a top 10 Tennessee team right now, top 10, top 10 in the nation. But like I said, you could put a lot of different quarterbacks there, whether it's Will Rogers, Will Levis, insert name here. You could put Hudson Card there for all I care. I mean, really, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, Quinn Ewers is number four. And I think by the end of the season or going into next season, we'll be talking about him as the best quarterback in college football, possibly the number one quarterback taken in the draft when he decides uh, to declare. But getting back to... Quinn Ewers is a top five quarterback in college football, number four. And I think what we've seen thus far is Hudson Carr came in in relief for Quinn Ewers. And I thought that he was very good. Um, outside of the Alabama game, he scored 34 plus points in every appearance. I thought he played well enough to win the Texas Tech game. And um, they just unfortunately came out of that game with a loss. In short order, in two plus quarters against ULM, in what was it against Alabama less than a full quarter? He didn't even play the, the full first quarter in that game. And then Oklahoma, he played into the fourth quarter, but I don't think he threw a pass in the fourth quarter. So let's just say three, three quarters. So in about six quarters of college football thus far in Quinn Ewers career, we've seen special enough for me to say that he's a top five quarterback in college football. And I think anybody that's not willing to say he's a top five quarterback in college football probably acknowledges that he's a top five talent in the sport. And it's probably taking that wait and see approach. Like I got to see a little bit more. And I understand that because it's only been six quarters of football, but sometimes when you know, you know, 
And on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, I'm going to show you five clips. I could have found 10, but I'm going to show you five clips of just Quinn Ewers being special. Five clips of Quinn Ewers making throws or plays that you can't find five other quarterbacks in college football that they can make. When you talk about Quinn Ewers, before we get into these clips, what makes him special? Obviously, it starts and ends with that God-tier right arm that he has. And I don't mean to be blasphemous. I love God. I love Jesus. But he has a God-tier right arm hanging from his body, right? And that's why, like, he's been compared to Patrick Mahomes with that type of arm talent. I don't know who decided to come up with the Hudson card and, and Aaron Rodgers comparison. That was crazy from the moment it was put on wax. No disrespect to Hudson Carr. I mean, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, though. But, like, when you look at Aaron Rodgers and sometimes how he just effortlessly flicks the ball 40 to 50 yards down the field, puts it wherever he wants to, off his back foot, you see that in Quinn Ewers. And I remember on the broadcast against Oklahoma, Greg McElroy was saying when, you know, Quinn Ewers gets his mechanics right, when Quinn Ewers gets his footwork right. But I don't think anybody's making teach tape on Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers' mechanics and footwork. They're just so great at the position, and they're so great. They have such elite arm talent that they don't need the mechanics and the footwork to be perfect to put the ball exactly where they want to. And I think even in six quarters of football, you've been able to see that from Quinn Ewers. You talk about accuracy. He has elite timing, elite feel in the pocket, and elite anticipation on his throws, and elite ball placement to put the ball exactly on the receiver, fit the ball into tight windows, and put the ball to where the receiver can catch the ball and then make plays after the catch in terms of yards after catch. And then I think he just has a swagger. Sark talks all about uh, about all the time how Quinn Ewers is just unfazed. Like, he has the same demeanor no matter what. In the two games he's really played in outside of ULM in Alabama and Oklahoma, those are the two biggest games of the season. And for those four collective quarters, really, that he was playing, he was the best player on the field. And, and so it's like Quinn Ewers has already shown us enough eye test for me to deem him a top five quarterback in college football. And now I'm going to get into these clips and show you five throws that you can't find five other quarterbacks in college football that can make. And if you can, if you think you can, then I got waterfront property in Idaho. I'd like to sell you. Let's start with this JT Sanders touchdown in the Oklahoma game. He had two of them. This is the one where Quinn Ewers is going to put the ball over the linebacker, he's going to put it to the right of JT Sanders so that Jordan Whittington's defender is not in the play. And then he's going to throw it perfectly on time to where the over-the-top safety, who's supposed to stop this from happening, has literally no impact on the play. Once again, I challenge you or I dare you to find five quarterbacks in college football that can make this throw right now. And respectively, Quinn actually reached out to JT via Instagram and the two would just meet up. They'd work out. So they had a relationship before viewers decided to transfer back to you. That's special stuff. And that's why part of the reason why Texas beat Oklahoma 49 to zero on Saturday. The next play I want to get into just a very special play off script play uh, by Quinn Ewers, where he's moving to his left as a right-handed quarterback throws a perfect back shoulder fade to B. John Robinson over the defender on a rope. This is the type of stuff that like it's going to look effortless and it doesn't look like a crazy play. And so you really dissect it and be like, Quinn Ewers really just did that. And once again, I challenge you and I dare you to find five quarterbacks in college football that can make these plays. I'm so sorry to my audio listeners. Y'all have seen these plays. You're just listening to it right now. Um, if you want to go to Locked On Longhorns on YouTube and see him and, and, and just 
appreciate how special your quarterback is, please do. Find me five quarterbacks in college football that can make this play. You can. I mean, this is not worthy. This is not a receiver. This is a running back. That is. It's crazy watching this and knowing that this is my favorite quarterback for my favorite football team. This is an NFL player in a burnt orange jersey. We cannot take this for granted, ladies and gentlemen. We have one of the best quarterbacks in college football, and this is why we're one of the scariest teams in college football. This is why people are saying if Quinn Ewers never got hurt, Texas would be 6-0. and This is why, even though Texas is number 22 in the AP poll, plenty of people that cover the sport say Texas is one of the 10 best teams in college football. Now we're going to get to this throw against Louisiana Monroe. We're going to take this all the way back to September 3rd. Yes, over a month ago. And just watch Quinn Ewers just casually creep up in the pocket. Bodies all around him. Casually creep up in the pocket and float a dime down the field, down the seam, between two defenders to JT Sanders in his first ever college game. Find me five quarterbacks that can make this throw. Says he wouldn't change his career path for anything. I exaggerated that a little bit. It weren't bodies all around him, but shout out to O-line. You know what I'm saying? It's not supposed to be bodies all around him. Uh, so shout out Kelvin Banks and them. All right, this next play, I really want to get into this play because not only does this show how special Quinn Ewers is, and it's more really about his instincts than arm talent because it's a screen pass, but it also shows how much Sark was in his bag on Saturday. I mean, Sark was in that duffel, you know, and we got to talk about that because even on this podcast, we had maligned Sark for his second half play calling, sometimes getting too conservative with the play calling, not letting Hudson Card off the leash. I know that sounds crazy, bro. Like, I mean, really, like we Texas fans just two weeks ago were begging Sark to let Hudson Card off the leash. Right. It's crazy how fast things change in college football. This is the play where Keelan Robinson is going to come in motion. He's going to come behind Quinn Ewers. And the play looks like it's set up for Quinn Ewers to throw the ball to Keelan Robinson. Instead, he's going to flip around and throw a screen pass to Roshan Johnson. What makes this play so special is the fact that Quinn Ewers is running towards Keelan Robinson, knowing that there's a free defender coming behind him. He has no idea where this defender is, but yet has to flip around, locate Roshan Johnson, and get the ball to him accurately where he's supposed to put it in a span of, I would say, a, a, a second and a half or less. This is insane stuff from your quarterback and an insane play call from Sark. This is the type of stuff you see and you say, okay, yeah, I see why he has that moniker as one of the best offensive minds in college football. To me, this was the best play call of the day against Oklahoma on Saturday. And the combination of Quinn Ewers, Steve Sarkeesian, and our skill talent, crazy. 13 yards there on the reception. Jordan Whittington. Ewers turns around, goes back to Johnson. Well-designed play. Roshan ripping it up. Big gainer. And that might have been the longest pass of the day. If Roshan Johnson is not one of your five favorite football players on this football team, I don't know what to tell you. That is just a football player, man. That is a dude that came to Texas to play quarterback. And now he's dominating in the rushing and receiving game. But it's so easy with this offense with Quinn Ewers and these playmakers to the point to where your longest pass play of the day, I'm that's off the top of my head. Don't quote me on that if I'm wrong, or don't kill me on that if I'm wrong, excuse me. Um, can come from a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage. 
Sark is a mastermind and Quinn Ewers is a prodigy. This last play, this is from the Alabama game. And we talk about timing, anticipation, and ball placement. And I'm not sure if there's a play that embodies that more than this. First of all, if Quinn Ewers is under pressure, bodies all around him for real this time, moves to the left, keeps his eyes downfield, and flicks a perfect pass to Jordan Winnington. When I tell you the feel in the pocket, the anticipation, the timing, and the ball placement are all perfect, not great, perfect on this play, and it's the only way that this pass would have been completed, watch this crossing route to Jordan Winnington and understand that this is the quarterback of your favorite football team. And, oh, yeah, we'll be the quarterback of your favorite football team next year as well. Longhorn Nation, we are spoiled. Just yours is going to have to wait. This is not what he wants against this pass rush. He wants to go down the field, but then great job by Whittington to break off his route to go back. Quinn Ewers is a top five quarterback in college football. And the only reason that you have not put him there yet, if you're listening, if you're a Texas fan, if you're a Texas hater, whoever has found this, I appreciate you supporting Locked on Longhorns. The only reason that you can realistically say he's not a top five quarterback is, is if you want to say you haven't seen enough yet. But to me, I just showed you five throws. And like I said, I could have put 10 in the six quarters of football that he's played. You cannot show me five quarterbacks in college football, in the sport, from 130 FBS teams. You can go, you know, whatever, like, that can make the throws at the quarterback position that Quinn Ewers can. I want to explain my top five briefly, and then we're going to get into a word from upside, and then we're going to get into uh, the Big 12 roundup with Josh Neighbors. I got Bryce Young. It's just difference. He's the returning Heisman winner. And he's such a point guard at the position, somebody at the quarterback position that just doesn't make mistakes. He always sees it. He's deadly accurate. He's on time, has great anticipation and ball placement like we talked about with Quinn Ewers. And he has that innate ability um, not only to make plays in the run game. He's such a great quarterback that he doesn't rely on that unless he needs to. Um, but just that feel and that escapability, he makes plays that, like I just said, like only Quinn Ewers can do or five quarterbacks can't make those plays. Sometimes he makes those plays that you're like, only Bryce Young can do that. I mean, we've seen multiple times, Texas this year, Auburn last year, um, you know, multiple games where Bryce Young has literally just put this Alabama team who is not as talented as really any of the Alabama teams before him. I mean, Bryce Young is being asked to do more at the quarterback position as far as carrying this Alabama team than probably any quarterback that's come before him. And he's just special. You talk about that play that he made. I'm assuming everybody listening to this or watching this saw the play he made against Texas when Ryan Watts blitzed. And, yeah, I know there was a hold on the play. Yeah, I know it should have been called. But that has nothing to do with him evading Ryan Watts. <laughs> like, that was a crazy, insane play, crazy, insane feel and instincts. That's why Bryce Young is the number one quarterback in the country. And I think he just continues to, to get better. And although he's small, you know, Quinn Ewers definitely has – uh, the advantage over him height-wise, I think that Bryce Young is going to be a really good quarterback on Sundays. I don't think that the height is going to be too much of a concern. We talk about C.J. Stroud. He's just a special playmaker at the quarterback position. Um, and he could throw that ball, and Ryan Day trusts him to throw that ball. I mean, I've seen times where he's thrown it 45-plus, 50 times, and he's been on the money. Uh, that Rose Bowl performance, uh, when they just broke records, him and Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, comes to mind last year. And then this year, he's picked up right where he left off. I think he's 24 touchdowns and one interception uh, through six games, which is insane. I mean, he's definitely, uh, you know, finished second in Heisman voting last year and has a case for the Heisman thus far uh, this year. He's done some insane stuff. They just haven't played uh, – you know, really any stiff competition. And so, but CJ Stroud is, is a bona fide playmaker. He's going to do that on, on Sundays in the league as well. Caleb Williams, I got him uh, at number three. 
Um, I think he's just a special playmaker. And what, why I put him above Quinn Ewers, even though Quinn Ewers was ranked higher than him in the 2021 class, is because I think that Caleb Williams can dominate a game with his arm, and then Caleb Williams can dominate a game with his legs. I think thus far – uh, with USC, he has 14 touchdowns and one interception this year, maybe 17 total touchdowns. But then when you look at Caleb Williams last year, he had a run of 56 yards, a run of 74 yards, a run of 40 yards, a run of 41 yards, a run of 66 yards, and a run of 59 yards. Like I said, he can score from anywhere on the field, and he can dominate the game with his arm and his legs. I don't anticipate Quinn Ewers having a 74-yard run anytime soon. And if he does, uh, a lot of people on that defensive side of the coaching staff need to be fired. And then fourth, I've already explained for 15 minutes why Quinn Ewers is him. Uh, you know, and I, by the end of the year, going into next year, he might be the best quarterback in the country and the number one quarterback taken in the draft. He, he's him. I've already talked about that. Hendon Hooker, um, he's 24 years old. He definitely has the experience, you know, playing at two programs since he's been at Tennessee. I think 49 total touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, just a, a crazy playmaker. He's doing all of this with Cedric Tillman, his best receiver. I think he's missed uh, half the season. He's got Tennessee undefeated right now, a top 10 team in the country. And all odds are going to be on that Tennessee Alabama game this Saturday, which I think Tennessee has a chance to win because they have a special playmaker in Hendon Hooker at the quarterback position. Uh, but like I said, you could put a bevy of quarterbacks there, you know, whoever your flavor is. Like I said, you could put Hussey Card there at number five for all I care. All I know is right now I got Quinn Ewers as the fourth best quarterback in the country. And regardless of where you want to rank him as far as top five, he's number one in our hearts. And as I said before, when I showed those five clips, he is special. We got Arch Manning coming right after him. We are spoiled at the quarterback position ladies and gentlemen, especially with the offensive skill talent around him, and especially with Steve Sarkeesian pulling the strings for this offense. Texas is currently ranked 22 in the country, number 22. But there's a lot of people that feel like Texas is one of the 10 best teams in the country. And with Quinn Ewers at quarterback, I can't say I disagree. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Here's our Big 12 roundup with our Locked On Big 12 host, Josh Neighbors. And Josh, you know where we have to start. Texas beat Oklahoma 49-0 to in the Red River shutout. What did you see on Saturday between the dominant Texas Longhorns and what's left of the Oklahoma Sooners on their longest losing streak since I was five years old in 1998? Yeah, um, you know, I, I thought coming into the game, it was a great opportunity for Texas to to put their foot down on a team that that they are much better than right now. Um it's funny. I mean, I think like three weeks ago, you know, if you talked about Oklahoma after the, if you talk about Oklahoma and Texas right after the third week of the season, you know, you'd be saying, all right, we, we love the effort that we saw uh, from both teams, you know, the UTSA game and the Oklahoma game against Nebraska. You'd be, all right, it seems maybe pretty even, right? If, if they're all at full strength. And, and then this week, it was like a different conversation, right? OU's really banged up, but they're also just, they just don't have any depth and they're not really organized on defense at all. And Texas, to me, you know, the Alabama game loss, whatever, fine. The Texas Tech game, like, is a is a bad loss because they're a lot better than Texas Tech is. Um, that game is just weird now. I, I think Texas is really good. It's just a matter for them 
of moving forward, like not dropping games like the Texas Tech game. Because look, man, like Oklahoma State's they're they're beatable, they're good. TCU's good, they're beatable. But if you keep dropping games, you're not be able to make a Big Twelve championship game. And, and so I, I think uh, I think Texas is really good right now. I think they're really really good. Obviously, Ewers makes them a bit more different on offense, and they were doing what we talked about. They're hitting all of the spots yesterday they needed to. I mean, they had everything working offensively. The only one downside was that weird interception that Ewers threw, and they said the ball slipped. So they played pretty much, you know, the perfect game yesterday uh, against a team that was just was really kind of begging to be run out of the building in Oklahoma. They did not put up much competition at all. What did you think about the game plan that they came in with? Because I don't even think that Oklahoma, in my opinion, really tried to win the game. It looked like they lost the game during the week. I mean, they come out with 17 passing attempts, and three of them are by running backs, and one of them is by a punter. I mean, like, what were they doing? Yeah, I'd, I didn't understand the game plan at all. They didn't try to get Marvin Mims the ball at all. One catch right? for negative two yards, and that's yeah, a good I mean, player. They, they did Doesn't not try sense. to get him the football. Makes makes no sense. Um, And... This is also a cost. Like, like, there's a reason why when they got Dylan Gabriel, they also went off went after Jackson Dart, because you know you need to build depth at these positions at the quarterback position, and we saw it with Card. Like, Card is I don't think he's excellent, but like you know he lit, he lit it up last week. He had an awesome week last week. Oklahoma does not have a guy in the quarterback room capable of doing maybe even half of what Hudson Card did last week. I mean, you know. You go to like Braden Willis in the passing game if you really, really are desperate. And I, I don't know they should be that desperate. Like they, they were, they were, they were coaching their offense like they didn't have any quarterbacks in the roster. I, I, I felt like I'm not sure if you felt that way. Just it didn't make much sense to me at all. And, and I think you're right. I mean, you know, they they might have lost the game during the week. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost the game last Saturday, right? After they got run by TCU. I mean, this is a team searching for all kinds of answers. I thought they were searching the wrong places in this game um, to those questions. I, I'm not sure even sure they were asking the right questions. And look, that's part of the learning process for Brent Venables, um, you know, becoming a new coach. And this this situation at OU is going to be a bit more of a, not a slog, but it's going to take a bit more time than we thought. And I think it's pretty clear. Yeah, I remember uh, after the Alabama game, you said Texas can't let Alabama beat them twice. Well, maybe Kansas State has beaten Oklahoma three times. <laughs> Kansas State has racked up three extra two extra wins because they beat them. They beat them twice more. But you know what's interesting? You bring it up. Like, I, I don't know if that game beat them against TCU. You know what I mean? Like, because that game was somewhat competitive. I mean, the TCU game was just. Like that was a broken. Yeah, the TCU game broke him. It broke the fan base. Too. It was. I, I've never traffic. seen OU fans so quiet the the Red River week. And granted, they've yeah. never had a reason to be quiet, but they well, they 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 knew what was going to happen on Saturday in the middle yeah. of the week. I, I think there's a lot of introspection. Like they they really don't care about Texas right now. Like no no offense, Texas. Right? I mean, they are and should be very concerned about what's going on there. And I don't know. I mean. You know, you've seen a lot of coaching changes. Maybe you have some thoughts on this. But, you know, they're so used to, like, the last transition to power they had was this absolutely clean and seamless transition. A lot of us know it's not like that, right? I mean, we saw it with Steve Sarkeesian last year, like, oh, good Lord, man. That that thing was not, it was not pretty. A whole lot of first half leads, a whole lot of second half disappointments. And so I think there is a whole lot of, all right, they're trying to separate fact from fiction. 
What is on, you know, a new coach not being good enough? What is on the roster not being good enough? What is on a coach learning? All that kind of stuff. And so that's why they were right for the pickings for Texas. But look, I think the statement when they made shows, hey, we're a bit further ahead, or a bit further ahead than Oklahoma is right now. Yeah, for sure. But like we're we're in the process of like creating what we're supposed to be. And I, I thought it was really impressive. I love it. It's fun to watch, too. That's the one thing about Texas, too. Jonathan, I mean, it's a lot of fun to watch the offense operate. I actually thought also the defense is pretty fun to watch operate, too, yesterday. Yeah, defense has given up 18 points a game currently. Who saw that coming? Uh, the best game in the Big 12 from a record and AP poll standpoint uh, was TCU and Kansas. And Kansas uh, finally suffered their first loss of the season. I said as a Kansas fan, it must be glorious that your basketball team wins a national championship and then your football team hadn't lost since <laughs> until Saturday. But TCU got the best of them, 38-31. to 31. What did you see in that game, Josh? Well, TCU is the last team to beat Kansas in both basketball and football, which is weird weird enough for you there. Nuggets. Yeah, no, there's a little nugget for you. Yeah, I, I did not find that one. Somebody on Twitter had that, so shout out to whoever had that on Twitter. Um, this game was an old school – well, first of all, it's like 10-10 at halftime, so it was really low scoring. And then a switch flipped, and, I mean, it was back and forth just uh, – Max Duggan and Jason Bean, who's the backup quarterback for Kansas, came in for Jalen Daniels. These guys were throwing rockets all over the place. Um, the best player on the field in this game is Quentin Johnston. They got He had 12 catches coming into this game. And I know, Jonathan, you're an NFL fan too. So he's somebody that we were tracking really coming into the year. He might be the number one receiver taken. He had 12 catches to this point. He had like 14 in this game. And he caught the ball a lot with his back to defenders – and guys were sliding by him. He was making a miss. He was exploding. I, I, I had a I had a ball. It was an honor to watch that man play yesterday. And that was the game plan. Get him the football. Let him make plays. And that's the one thing about TCU is they got a bunch of big, strong, fast kids on that team. And, uh, so, you know, I think it's interesting because Gary Patterson recruited those guys. They didn't have much of an identity last year. It was it was they had good personnel, but it was the right time for a change. It's almost like this was a, this was a combined effort between Sonny Dykes and Gary Patterson. GP got on the players. Sonny Dykes is making it happen, and um, it was it was phenomenal to watch yesterday. This team coalesce, come together like that, and it was a fun back and forth game. And honestly, Kansas shouldn't lose much. Their backup quarterback comes in and throws three touchdowns. The one thing that swung this game: bad interception. Jason Bean floated the ball of the middle, was picked off, gave. TCU short field, I believe, which they scored. And I thought it was gonna be a big turnover in a game like this that 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 caused it. It was, and that allowed TCU to end up holding on to get the win. But I, I didn't think either team's team either team's uh uh stock dropped. I don't think KU's did. K, definitely TCU stocks higher now. They're undefeated and they're hosting Oklahoma State next week. Baron Morton and Texas Tech made it interesting, but Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State just continue uh, to find ways to make things happen, winning 41 to 31 against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. What did you see uh, from Oklahoma State and your favorite quarterback in the Big 12? Well, I want to start with a, with a quote post game uh, from Mike Gundy. He asked what year Baron Morton was, and the, the reply was redshirt freshman. His, his quote was, that's not good. Um, Morton was awesome. He was awesome in this game to watch it. I love Donovan Smith. I think he's a really talented, really good player. I don't think this is the offense for him because he he does make some mistakes. He's also a very good runner. This is a this is a passing offense. This this is a like 
pretty not not classical passing offense, but there's a reason why Tyler Shuck won the job. It's because he is like the prototypical classic pocket passer, right? Bailey Zapp threw for a million yards for Western Kentucky last year because he is a he's a pocket passer, and that's Zach Kitley offense. Um, they they put a scare into into Oklahoma State. They really did, but Oklahoma State. You know, I think there is a confidence Spencer Sanders has now that whenever they need a score or a drive, like he just he does it. They do it on offense, and they were they were in um, third gear probably. You know, first first third gear they kicked it up to four or five in the second half of that game. They did not run away with this game, but they were able to get the scores they needed to needed to got a couple stops when they needed to. And I said this last week, and I think this is the one thing, Jonathan, that I, I feel really confident about in the Big 12 is that, well, Texas, maybe we're not 100% sure who they are. TCU, we're getting close, maybe not 100%. I think Mike Gundy and his staff have a great idea of who this team is, right? They've got a bad secondary. They can give up a lot of yards. They can force turnovers. They have a pretty decent defensive line. They've got a lot of good wide receivers. They've got a veteran quarterback. They've got an okay offensive line. They've got some guys in the backfield. But really, like, their quarterback now gets it. They know they know what this team is. They know 100% what this team is. Do I think they're a top-10 team? I think it's pretty clear they're not. But they know who they are more so than a lot of teams, especially more so than a lot of teams in this league, I think, kind of fully know what their ceiling is. We know what it is at Oklahoma State. So I think the thing is – Teams are going to have to play their best game to beat. You can beat them. You can beat them. But you have to bring your best game to beat them because they're really well coached and they know exactly, exactly what they have. That's an excellent point. One of the few instances where the name is better than the game, Farmageddon took place between Kansas State and Iowa Good State. God. And we saw a 10-9 to 9 football game. So what did you see uh, in that matchup on Saturday? I mean, this was this was really hard to watch. Uh, this was not a fun. I mean, I, I think it's like it kind of lived up to the name, right? Farmageddon looked like a bunch of pigs wrestling out there, and they're really not kind of confusing what was actually happening in the game. Um, Kansas State scored early, and then just like didn't just barely scored the rest of the way. They got seven in the first quarter, and then Iowa State one field goal at a time um, pulled a, <laughs> pulled ahead, and then uh, in the end of this game. Uh, um, uh, Kansas State gets uh, gets a field goal in the fourth quarter, makes it ten to nine. Like this was too too offense. Uh, well, here's what I'll say: Iowa State's defense is really good. They were good last week against Kansas, right? And we saw Kansas scored a bunch of points with both quarterbacks. They were really good last week against Kansas. I know Iowa's offense sucks. They're good against Iowa. Um, this is a and they, they were okay against Baylor at times. I, I thought. The, uh, but, like, this is the – I mean, this is the number one scoring defense right now in the league. And so that's one thing they have. Their offense is not good. They have one really good player. That is Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah. They rely – and I guess good for them for throwing him the ball a lot. But, like, it's pretty clear what they want to do, like, the entire time. He had eight catches for 100 yards. And and that's really it. Like, that's really, like – like I mean, 100 Deckers threw for 198 yards in this game. 100 of them went to one guy. And he, he's going to end up having probably what equates to a – he'll be first-team all-conference. And you you his numbers might even be good enough to be like a first-team all-American because, look, once again, this is an offense that exclusively throws him the football. So his numbers are going to be absurd. But that team is not very good on the offensive end. And, look, Kansas State, this is a team that I think also has to learn how to grind – like good teams learn how to win when they don't have their fastball. 
and they don't have their best stuff. Kind of, you know, it's a it's a baseball term. Um, they didn't do that against Tulane, right? They did that against Iowa State on the road at night in a rivalry game. So, look, by hook or by crook, you take a 10-9 result. I mean, you'll take it. You'll get out of there. You move on undefeated in Big 12 play. That's what matters for them. So, it wasn't it was not pretty at all. But Kansas State learning to uh, to win without their best stuff is kind of the storyline for me out of this game. Yeah, and Iowa State's definitely going to try to make it an ugly game against Texas next Saturday. Oh, yeah. Josh Neighbors, thank you for joining us once again for the Big 12 Roundup. Locked on Big 12, wherever you get your podcast. Locked on Big 12 on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and listen to one of the best in the business, my favorite, Locked on host, Longhorn Nation, as always. Peace.